The Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FANDUEL.com for a bonus match of up to $200. Racism, by definition, is bad. Um, in football, it's, it's not acceptable uh, to have players be subjected to all manner of uh, bigotry uh, and other things that have happened to, to, to footballers. France is a power, and, and, and this is an established, like I said, an established uh, soccer culture that he's walking into. And if he can make it there, if he can take them up to Ligue 1, it's going to be really cool to watch. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Gentlemen, welcome back to the pod. Good to be here. Brian, how you doing down in D.C. today? Killing it. Killing it. Fantastic. That's what we like to hear. I uh, got, a, got a great show for you guys today. We are going to start with some talk about uh, Jason Kreiss moving on from NYCFC and MLS playoffs. Grant, you had the opportunity to speak to two pretty influential people uh, in what's going on at, at FIFA, including the one, the only... Tokyo Sakhwale, uh FIFA presidential candidate from South Africa, and Francois Courard, the head of the FIFA Reform Committee. Yeah, uh, very, very insightful interviews. They're both in New York... This week, and then we'll close with some Champions League talk, uh, Fabian Johnson getting on the board and, and what that might mean for his U.S. chances uh, in World Cup qualifying. But first, Jason Kreiss, out after one season at NYC FC. Grant, uh, surprise. Did you, I mean, you've put out that you this was coming, so it, you know, it happened. Yeah, it happened, you know, and I think uh, the question being, is this the right move by NYC FC? What does it tell us about how they... Are approaching this team uh, and uh, Jason Kreiss is a, is a really good coach so I think he's going to find a job elsewhere uh, pretty soon if he wants it um, but you look at, at NYCFC and, and they made life very difficult on Jason Kreiss this year especially when you look at Frank Lampard not coming until mid-season as he was supposed to come at the start um, and, and that really put a lot of pressure on Christ, and it put a lot of pressure on guys like Mix Discarude, who just really couldn't quite handle that. Uh, you know, the the defense was horrible. So let's be straight up about that. Some of that has to go on Christ. Um, he seemed to get frustrated at times publicly this year in ways that I didn't totally expect, saying some players weren't uh, giving their all. Uh, the coaching staff was, uh, where you're kind of like, wow, this guy's really under a lot of pressure. Uh, that said, when I first got the call saying Christ is out or going to be out, most likely, um, I was surprised uh, because uh, a guy with his pedigree uh, who's achieved a lot in this league, you would think would get more than one year. And the, I mean, they invested so much into him bringing over to England for a, a year to to learn under Manuel Pellegrini and whether or not that was necessary. I mean, they they put a lot into him and a lot of faith in him. Uh, and and I think it's clear who's who's pulling the strings there. And, and Brian, you touched on this. I thought your column on Planet Football was great. Just what this move revealed about you know this club's true colors and and its identity. 
Uh, you want to expand on that at, at all and, and just kind of give your take on, on Christ going out? Well, I don't want to expand on it to the point where people may not click on the call. So we got, we got, <laughs> we got to leave a little something uh, on the site. But no, I mean, and I want to be clear about something, and, and I mentioned this in the piece and I and, uh, want to be clear about it here. I don't have a problem with the fact that uh, NYCFC wants to do things a bit differently. Um, I, I think this league... Uh, needs clubs with different identities, different approaches, different philosophies. Um, it, you know, it 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 uh, it makes things a bit more exciting and it makes things interesting. And and maybe at some point, uh, someone will stumble on a different way to be successful in MLS, and that'll sort of expand all of our sense uh, of what this league's about and what it takes to 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 do well. Um, but clearly, uh, like I wrote and like I still feel, um, NYCFC had to be true. Uh, to what it was and what it is 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 an organization uh, run out of England, out of Manchester, uh, that has a, a very uh, European sensibility about the way it's going to do things, about its timeline for success, about how it, it intends to achieve success. Um, and like Grant said, I mean, uh, Jason Christ clearly had no control. It was clear from the start when the club decided to keep Lampard in Manchester for an extra six months that this was not Jason Christ's team. It was clear when Andrea Pirlo, uh, a player who doesn't exactly add a bunch of steel in midfield, uh, was was going to be the third DP, that this was not Jason Kreis's team. And so what you had was sort of a, a coach who was um, undercut, uh, who was clearly stressed out, as Grant mentioned, uh, not only calling players out in August, but I, I remember that quote in the spring where he talked about uh, you know, I didn't. I don't remember. I, I forgot how hard it was to build a winner in this league, and, and there was just this lament to him, this sort of sense of defeat already, uh, that he realized that this was not a traditional MLS club where an American coach and perhaps an American front office was going to be running things. Uh, you know, there at uh, on the ground, um, there were a lot of different influences at play here, a lot of very foreign and very European influences, and it's probably best for a club run like that. Uh, to hire a coach who understands that, who embraces it, who's willing to work with it, and who players like David Villa, Andrea Pirlo, and Frank Lampard will play for uh, and will respect uh, and will mesh with. Uh, so NYCFC, be true to itself, hire Patrick Vieira, someone like that, and, uh, and, and continue on its path. And either it will work, in which case we'll learn about a new sort of paradigm in MLS, or it won't in which case they'll be responsible both to their fans and to the standings, uh, and, and, and they'll have to change course. I would add a couple of things here. One, Ferran Soriano is the guy who I think made these decisions uh, this year, the, the big ones that we're talking about. And Ferran Soriano did a fair amount of media in New York before this team started, but he has not done anything at all since. And I would like to hear from Ferran Soriano. I found it interesting that the voice in the press release from NYCFC firing Christ was not Soriano, not Claudio Reyna. It was Tom Glick, a business side guy who's going back to Manchester anyway and isn't really going to be part of the future of NYCFC. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing, and I think this is echoing Brian a little bit, the history says in MLS that unless you know or a coach who knows American soccer and has been over here for a while, you're not going to win a championship. You know, if you just look at the history, Gary Smith, the only 
championship winner with the Colorado Rapid back in 2010, who didn't have really any history at all in the U.S. before he came and still won the title. Uh, he's the exception. I would love to see more influences from outside the United States, whether it's South America, whether it's Europe, coaches who could come in and have success and maybe bring some different philosophies. Uh, you know, if they're big names, great. We just haven't seen any examples of that. Uh, Gary Smith's not a big name coach. So uh, I would kind of like to see more influence and we'll see if, if NYCFC tries to to break new ground. Uh, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want our soccer culture here to be seen as insular. And right now, the general view is that if you want to win a title, you need to have an, a good American coach. And I think this might be in the end good for good good for Jason. I mean, he 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 wasn't happy. Uh, he well, I can't speak for him. He didn't seem happy. Um, he didn't seem like he was meshing with the culture at this organization, which again bridged an ocean. Um, it didn't seem like he was meshing with the locker room and getting the, the, the most out of uh, the high-priced players on this team. And let's throw Mix Discarude into that as well, who did not have a good season. So, um, you know, he's now free uh, to pursue a, an opportunity in an organization where he's going to be able to do what he wants to do, uh, where he's probably going to be given more control and more latitude. And so in the end, this, this may be best for everybody, and then we'll get to sit back and, as Grant said, see whether a different approach uh, works in this league. And that's the great thing about sports is that we're going to find out uh, we're going to the standings will tell us uh, whether uh, the way NYCFC is doing things and whether the way Soriano and perhaps Vieira uh, will do things uh, is going to work. Uh, I, I think you're dead on about this being good for Christ, too. It's a it's a classic, you know, one door closes, one door opens situation. And in this case, he's going to get paid by NYCFC to not work for them and then potentially land in, in a much better landing spot that suits his strengths a lot better right now, though, there, there really aren't a whole lot of openings, right? I mean, one other one besides the one he just left, right, you know, there's... so Chicago and not, you know, Salt Lake, I'm told uh, Jeff Kassar is safe for now. Christ wouldn't go back to Salt Lake and work for that owner anyway. Right. Uh, and Toronto, Bill Manning comes out and says, Greg Banny's job is safe. Uh, in Philadelphia, the owner has said Jim Curtin's job is safe. So unless there's some surprise right now, we're looking at one potential destination for him in MLS if you were to go immediately. That's Chicago. Right. There is, a, there is reason to believe that Bill Manning did reach out to Jason Kreis, um, but uh, I'm not sure that that's a partnership that's, that's going to happen again. And perhaps after that conversation, uh, you know, it became clear that Greg Vanny's job was secure. Um, and then in Chicago, obviously, I mean, there have been a couple names that have popped up. Uh, Tab Ramos, uh, but, he, but he's still uh, under contract with U.S. Soccer. Uh, and of course, the the Columbus Crew legend uh, Guillermo Barroscoloto, who's coaching Lanús down in Buenos Aires, uh, uh, rumors that he uh, is in the frame and and has perhaps already talked to Nelson Rodriguez. But um, you know, uh, Rodriguez is already well into the process of uh, of selecting a coach. He wants to have one by Thanksgiving, and uh, the timing might not be right uh, for for Jason, but we'll see. I mean, if Jason wants to try his hand at the take a year off and wait for an expansion team thing again, he could always go to Atlanta. Atlanta United. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, one one coach who we know uh, is not going to be taking over at NYCFC is Bob Bradley. Uh, looks like he will be on the move. Latest reports are that he has a verbal agreement with Le Havre in uh, Le Havre. My wife's, my wife's family uh, on her mother's side is from this town, and they say it in French, Luav. I, I'm just gonna let them say it like that then, because that's fantastic. <laughs> is, that like, is that like is that like Brett 
Favre. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, we could go down the rabbit hole with this one. There's another coach available, uh, the former uh, Gladbach coach, uh, Lucien Favre. <laughs> who I just decided to bring up because he brought up Brett Favre's name. Uh, classic. Classic. Um, yes, well, at my CFC, reach out and let's see what we can make happen. Um, but no, Bob Bradley, uh, he's led Stabak to a Europa League berth, um, which which is fantastic. Grant, you actually spoke to him uh, this week. I had a nice conversation the other day with Bob, and, and we talked a lot about the season and his two years um, at Stabak. He signed a two-year contract, um, and you know, not getting paid a ton. Could have gotten paid a heck of a lot more if he'd taken the Vancouver job. He wanted to go to Europe and see if he could have success as an American coach in Europe. And, you know, the Premier League wasn't offering him jobs. So he went to this club, Staubach, that was in deep financial stress. Uh, had just gotten promoted after going down, uh, but still very low payroll in the Norwegian League. And, uh, you know, last year he got them moving in the right direction, got to the semifinals of their cup competition, finished mid-table in the end. Um, and then this year uh, has them in a position where they could finish second. Uh, and they're guaranteed to be in top three. So he's gotten them into Europe uh, on a shoestring budget, and he's had so many transfers, it's been crazy because the club needs to make money. So he was saying to me that $5.5 million came in through transfers, uh, including for their best player, uh, Diamande on the last day of the summer transfer window to Hull City. And so that has made it even harder for, for Bob Bradley because he's had to find these diamonds in the rough who he can't pay really any money for and try and make it work. And uh, if you just listen to the people who follow Norwegian soccer, they're amazed. I mean, they're calling this like a near miracle, um, what he's been able to achieve there. And uh, he's going to complete the contract, and it sounds like uh, – uh, this is the re- these are reports, so I haven't confirmed this. Uh, go to Larave, uh, which has a, a nice new stadium. It's in the second division in France, owned by an American, uh, and you know the idea being to potentially take them up to uh, Ligue 1. And that in itself would be a, another another accomplishment. Brian, it's this is this is Bob Bradley's thing, right? He's a, he's a guy that that likes challenges. He doesn't like having things kind of handed to him, and uh, this move. Uh, assuming it happens, would certainly feel in in line with that, yeah. Yeah, and it would. I mean, and 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 I imagine when you look back at Norway's history, there have been a lot of Americans who've gone to play there. Um, you know, it's a it's a. I imagine uh, it being perhaps a more uh, welcoming soccer culture than perhaps France might be. You know, France is a France is a is a soccer power. Um, you know, it's a, it's a they've won a World Cup. Uh, they, I said this to Grant before, it's one of my favorite trivia questions in soccer. France is the only country that's won a World Cup, a Confederations Cup, an Olympics, a U-20 World Cup, a U-17 World Cup, and the Continental title. Um, so at all levels, uh, they've proven their excellence, and they, they're going to have a sense of how things should be done. Um, and, and obviously, you're going to have language issues and things like that, and that's what Bob is walking into. And, and, and that's that's uh, it's, a, it's, a far more, it's a far wealthier, more developed soccer culture, and that, that's really impressive. Uh, that he's going to take this on. Um, yeah, I mean, I know he he had interest in England. I mean, there was the West Brom conversation a, while, a long time ago uh, that never led to anything. Um, you know, I, I you know perhaps uh, an opportunity in Holland or a place like that. Uh, but but France is a you know France is a power, and 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 this is an established 
like I said, an established uh, soccer culture that he's walking into. And if he can make it there, if he can take them up to Liga, they're only, I mean, I just looked at the standings, they're only uh, two games out uh, of, of one of the two automatic promotion places. They're in fourth place right now. So he, does, he doesn't have a ton of ground to make up, uh, and, there, and there's every reason to believe that he can. It's going to be really cool to watch. Definitely uh, another chapter in the, the Bob Bradley story, one that is... Uh, it's fascinating, honestly, when you look at everything he's he's done since coaching the U.S., uh, going to Egypt, and now Stabek, and now potentially uh, second division France. Well, uh, something worth keeping track of down the line. Uh, one of his former clubs, the New York Red Bulls, uh, leading D.C. United, another of his former clubs, uh, one nothing going into the second leg of their MLS playoff matchup. Grant, I want to run down the second legs with you and get your takes on what we might expect to see this weekend and, and which four teams we might see in the conference finals. Uh, and let's start with that Red Bulls-DC United series. one nothing Red Bulls. They go back to Red Bull Arena. Um, Red Bulls dealing with, with some injuries. Damian Perrinell out, uh, and that, that brings Ronald Zubar figuratively uh, into the mix. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think this is the one of the four conference semifinals that uh, you feel like the Red Bulls are the heavy favorites for this one. You know, never say never on this one, but like, you know, DC United just has not played well in, in uh, really for a while. And you look at what happened in the first game, I thought uh, uh, the Red Bulls could have had more than they got, uh, got the goal. The, the concern also is with the, the injury to Paranel and Will Ronald Zubar, who gets paid quite a bit of money in relative terms, be able to come out and, and perform for them um, and and let them finish off uh, this conference semifinal with the top seed. Um, you know, I, I think they'll be pretty comfortable in this one, um, but uh, at the same time, it's MLS. Well, they got the away goal, and I think that they are strong enough in midfield to cover for Zubar if necessary between Dax McCarty, between Felipe, Sasha Kleschen. They've all... Uh, you know, that's that's a, a backbone for the team right there. Um, and then Luis Robles in goal is, is also not, not too bad at what he does. Um, I, I too would expect the Red Bulls to go ahead, but but then again, you know, you get one early away goal from DC United, it's all level, and then DC scores again, and then all of a sudden they're they're in the driver's seat. You just never know. Um, staying in the Eastern Conference, Montreal Impact, Columbus Crew, Montreal leads two to one. Uh, they they literally grabbed the first leg at, <laughs> at Stad Saputo uh, with with Didier Drogba. Um, I don't know what he was doing, but it made for some fantastic photography. Um, Patrice Bernier scores again for the Montreal Impact after being essentially exiled over the summer, hadn't scored in two years. Um, but Columbus has an away goal. What, what do you think about this one? I'm really excited about this one. I thought this was going to be a very even matchup of two teams that are playing good soccer, a lot of speed on these teams, uh, a lot of explo- explosiveness. Um, and, and Drogba's in good form. He didn't score in the opener, but uh, he didn't play badly. Uh, the leg grab thing, mystified by it, <laughs> but, you know, added some spice to the uh, the opening weekend of the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I look at, these teams, and I think I think both of them are capable of winning this whole thing. And so one of them is going to be out uh, after this weekend. But uh, Montreal came back after going down early against Columbus. Um, I like Morabiello, and I didn't know a heck of a lot about the guy until he took this job. But he's still the interim coach, but I think he's making a pretty good case to keep the job. Um, you know, decisions like bringing Patrice Bernier back into the mix, uh, a guy who 
he's older. He's 36. Uh, you know, Drogba's 37. I mean, this is not a young team uh, in every position. And yet, uh, Bernier is known as uh, a good leader, and he's been productive, scoring in the last two games. And uh, his teammates seem really happy for him when you see uh, the goals he scored. So, um, you know, there's pressure on Columbus in a sense because uh, I think they they wanted to make a deep run. They know they're capable of that. Heck, I picked them to get to the final. Um, and I think, theoretically, they're the best team in the East, but they got to show it in this game. I think they will. Uh, I, I think we'll see um, uh, Columbus put some real pressure early on Montreal and, and try and get uh, back even and, and go forward. And, and Iguain and Kamara, I think, should be able to have more of an influence than they did in the first game when they were pretty well bottled up. Uh, let's let's move to the Western Conference now. Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, Seattle coming back from a goal down. Clint Dempsey's fantastic free kick late on uh, gives them the 2-1 win and the lead heading into Dallas, which is not too far from where Clint Dempsey grew up. Um, I know you picked Seattle to, to get to the final as well. Did anything in that first leg change your mind about that? I mean, FC Dallas does have an away goal uh, in their favor. You know, much like the the Montreal Columbus situation, two one, the uh, their team got an away goal. Dallas did in this one, uh, and there's all this discussion about who's the favorite. You know, our, our good friend Alexi Lalas uh, not earning the uh, uh, the respect of the fans in Dallas by calling Seattle the favorite. Uh, and you know, I, I guess I don't really care who's the favorite and who's not. I think these are two very good teams. Um, you know, I, I thought earlier in this game that Mario Diaz was having a huge impact on the game. Tremendous pass on the goal that Castillo scored. Uh, and I think this is a real measuring stick for, for Dallas uh, to find out how good they really are. You know, they're going to be at home. Uh, I would hope they have a good crowd for this game, a supportive crowd. Um, they're certainly capable of winning the game. And uh, I think they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they, they don't see themselves being seen as the favorite. So... Uh, that said, uh, you know Dempsey had a just a big time player's goal on that free kick late uh, to put Seattle up two one. He's had a few of those lately, and uh, I just feel like he's a player who rises to the occasion. This is an occasion, uh, and I think Seattle's going to advance. Seattle's unbeaten in eleven in all competitions, and I think that gets overlooked a lot, maybe because they haven't won all of them. A lot of a lot of drab draws in there. But uh, this is the case where, where they have an advantage going in and they get one goal, and I, that, that could do it. Um, so we'll see. But FC Dallas, again, maybe not getting the respect that they, they deserve, and they are an incredibly good team. Uh, and I don't think it would surprise anybody if, if they went on also. Uh, very, very good series. M- much like you said, like the Montreal-Columbus series, it's, it's a shame one has to go home. Uh, final series, Vancouver and Portland, the only scoreless one that we have. The Post and Portland not being too <laughs> kind to the Timbers this, kind, this time after uh, really helping out in the PK shootout against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Maxi Rudy hitting the Post late on, preventing Portland from winning at home uh, 1-0. Instead, they go into BC Place 0-0. Who does that favor? In one sense, Portland scores once. That's that's pretty significant because they they get themselves an away goal and and put the pressure and on I, Vancouver. I get that, but I still think if you get a zero zero on the road like Vancouver did in the first game, you should be favored uh, at home. All you have to do is win the game, you know. So mm-hmm. if you can't win the game, you know you shouldn't advance. I mean, like so if if you're Portland, I think you feel like okay, you know that's what I'd be telling myself: just get an away goal and you got a really good chance of advancing. Um, I think Vancouver, there's just these questions about uh, 
you know, in a in an elimination game, are they going to to prove it? And and they've had a good season, and they're a little bit like Dallas, um, I, I think, in the sense that uh, there's quite a few disbelievers out there who who want to see them uh, back back up what they're able to do in the regular season. I think um, I'd lean toward Portland barely in this one, only because I think Darlington Nagby's had a, a really big influence recently. Uh, as he's moved more centrally, Levy Bird with a nice column on that uh, this week and what that's meant for the Timbers. And, um, you know, you look at, at Vancouver's history, not a great home team in the playoffs. And that's and Vancouver, they're the worst home team remaining in, in this field. Uh, I think they lost six games at home all season. Uh, these two teams, though, very evenly matched. They drew three times uh, in, in three of their four meetings, including the playoffs this season. Um, one of the ultimate advantages for Vancouver is the fact that they're two center backs and goalkeeper David Usted in goal and then uh, Kendall Watson and, and rookie Tim Parker uh, in central defense have been fantastic and if you can't break them down if you're Portland then you're probably not going through so that I think ultimately is is where that series will be won and lost uh, well so all four of those second legs take place Sunday be another MLS marathon kicking off at three o'clock eastern so I uh, hope you sleep well, Saturday, and then are ready for a full day of soccer uh, on uh, on Sunday. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then come back with the words of one Tokyo Sehwale. Sports fulfill a fundamental element of human nature. Surrounded by your fellow fans, draped in your home colors, urging the side forward with one full voice. There's really no other place in our society that conjures these old passions. So the next time you head back to the stadium to join with your friends, do it with the SeatGeek app. When you use our code PLANET, you get a check back for $20. Here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free and takes less than a minute to download. Then you search for your event, find a great deal, Enter our code PLANET, and when you complete your purchase, SeatGeek will send a $20 check to your house. It's that easy. SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online and shows you the best deals automatically. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available all on one page. They also have a feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded map of the venue. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can make the purchase with two quick taps of your phone. There's no faster way to buy tickets. So, to redeem your promo code and get your $20 check, download the free SeatGeek app today, enter our promo code PLANET in the app, and SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. For tickets to the MLS playoffs, the NFL, or the best concerts, Use the SeatGeek app and our code PLANET to save $20. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Grant, this week you had the opportunity at the ICSS conference uh, in New York to speak with two men who are very uh, influential as to what is going to be happening uh, in FIFA down the line, and that is one Tokyo Sehwale and Francois Carrard. Uh, would like to play those interviews for you uh, right now. Tokyo also gets to pronounce his name, and if we're not doing it right, you'll hear it from the source uh, right now. 
We have a very special guest today here at the ICSS conference in New York. He is the FIFA presidential candidate from South Africa. And sir, I'm going to ask you how to pronounce your name. Also uh, president of Global Watch, which is watching racism in all sports. Sahwale, um, the Arabic way. Sahwale, Lechaim, the Hebrew way. Sahwale, the Russian way. So there's that uh, heavy sound on the throat. So I'll start with just a basic question. Why do you want to run for FIFA president? Uh, I've been working in FIFA, in football, without thinking of myself as a, a presidential candidate. It never crossed my mind because I mean, I'm, I like, I'm a business person. Mm. Um, I'm in philanthropy. I, I have been in government. And I'm in FIFA for nine years. And then the deluge, the collapse. Yeah. And then people start approaching you. Uh, within the FAs, within the confederations, uh, at FIFA headquarters itself, within the executive, uh, ordinary people in the street, major stakeholders of, of FIFA, and and just people who are you no know, not associated with the business people and so on. Yeah, uh, I didn't think I should consider it, hmm. but the pressure has been piling, and one had to make a decision. And uh, you make a decision when you think there is a chance, there's a possibility, one. Number two, it's something that you may want to do. Uh, you may also like to do. Um, it's something that you may have time to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that is doable. Yeah. Um, that's what I was weighing. And I think having thought very carefully and having consulted, um, I said, let me go for 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 the. I think it's good to 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 have a candidate coming from another region of the world. I think it's good to to bring a new flavor, um, and I, I I think we should give an opportunity to other people mm -hmm. uh, to to particularly at this time. I love football. This thing is broken, and I can see the leadership just falling one after the other. We've lost the president, now he's suspended. The, the CEO, which is general secretary, he's suspended. Two vice presidents gone, three in fact, if you count Chung as well, and two presidents of confederations, many members of the executive, other related people. So when the nomination came, particularly coming from my own uh, South African Football Association, right. Uh, who unanimously saying, go for it. That's the turning point. Mm -hmm. And then I consulted also with the leadership of football in Africa. I went to see CAF. But now you're not a CAF candidate, you're a FIFA candidate. But you know, you start at home and report to them, this is what I'm doing. So CAF has been informed. It will make its own decision as to whether um, it wants you as a candidate or mm -hmm. not. But then you are a FIFA candidate already. Um, uh, you know, in the scheme of things, people say, well, should he have the votes of the... I don't think it's about the continental votes all coming to you mm -hmm. because why not all the votes from uh, UEFA? Mm -hmm. Why not all the votes from AFC? So let's democratize FIFA and not run FIFA as tribal structures or the Asian tribe, the European tribe, conquer Kef. It's, it's so, so, and that's where the problem also maybe in FIFA comes from yeah. where we think with these blocks the block mentality we will go in because we are a conquer Kiev we will support this one because we are African uh, you need to break that so that 
then we can have the best coming forward, mm-hmm. the best vote. So why can't I get all the votes of North America? Right. Okay. Or uh, Comnibor. Why should I say all the African votes should belong to me? Of course, naturally, I would like to, to have that because it's a zero-sum game. Right. These are elections. Uh, but I think you should not take away from the fact that you want to produce a president, credible, uh, democratically elected, who, who can be alive to all the FIFA structures. So it's a long answer, but that, that's answer. where it comes from, this thing. Um, you've spent so much of your life fighting racism. Uh, you were imprisoned on Robben Island with Nelson Mandela. Uh, how, how bad is the, the problem of racism in global soccer football today? And, and what do you think about the 2018 Russia World Cup and concerns about racism, whether you're a fan, a player, anything like that? Uh, racism, by definition, is bad. Apartheid was uh, here down the streets in New York uh, by the General Assembly of the United Nations, as well as the Security Council. It was uh, described as a crime against humanity, so racism has been called a crime. Um, in football, it's, a, it's not acceptable uh, to have players being subjected to all manner of uh, bigotry, uh, and other things that have happened to, to, to footballers, especially in Europe. Um, so it's, 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 I, I applaud FIFA for having uh, appointed a task team mm. against racism. I, I, I am a member of the task team as well. And, and by also uh, stiffening the, 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 the regulations uh, to make sure that they, are, they can bite mm. uh, and that people can... Can, can face penalties, not just yellow cards, you know, deducting points, suspending clubs, let them play inside stadia which are empty because it hits their pocket. But in certain situations, I think we've been solved in FIFA by allowing rich millionaires to get away with light fights. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, uh, it's time now to demote clubs, uh, but don't take it out too much on the club if it's not the problem with the club but some hooligans because we've got to be careful you know some hooligans coming from the opposite team can can dress up as your your, your right. team and then of course they cost so you've got to be very careful even about empty stadia that type of thing um but it, it's 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 there it is a problem but it doesn't engulf football football is much bigger than this racism thing Concerning the Russian World Cup, there has been a specific worry about one area in Russia, and that is St. Petersburg. Okay. Uh, There's a club, I don't know whether it's Zenit or something. We have actually sent a very strong signal uh, to Russia as the FIFA uh, anti-racism task force uh, about activities of hooligans. But we know that uh, the clubs that are standing up to, 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 to take action but I think for the sake of the protection um, and the integrity of the Russian 2018 World Cup, uh, Russia needs to do more. Um, I know that the Russian president, who is somebody I know, uh, upholds racism. He comes from St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Um, and President Putin is somebody who's he's a sport person. He loves sports. Um, he was delighted to have the Winter Olympics there. 
in Sochi, uh, the Formula One, uh, and now the World Cup. And wouldn't want to see anything more, more such such a major global uh, competitive events uh, taking place in this country. Uh, and coming from Saint Petersburg, I know he's very much alive to this to this right. uh, to this problem. So it's got to be watched very very carefully, so that these hooligans, these isolated elements, should not tarnish the image of of Russia, let alone uh, the World Cup itself. As FIFA president, if you were to become FIFA president, how important is it to you that FIFA becomes viewed as a clean organization and how much work needs to be done to become a clean organization? The, the brand, the FIFA brand, um, is badly damaged. Um, I say badly damaged because how worse can it be than to have a president suspended uh, a general secretary suspended, two presidents, uh, two vice presidents, members of the executive. The damage is very severe. I would want to say innocent until proven guilty, and I wish these people well that they clear. You know, law is law. Once you're fingered, you've got to go out there and try to clean your, your image. I hope, you know, they will find time to, to clear their, their names. But FIFA is in crisis. Right. Uh, and it's a crisis that we must face. Therefore, it's going to be incredibly important if whoever becomes president, if, if I'm president, whoever becomes a, a president, the first thing is the restoration of, of, of trust and confidence by stakeholders. And they include players, they include uh, fans and small children who admire these big stars like mm -hmm. uh, Beckham. You know, many people who put on the Beckham t-shirt, but if they're told that you're wearing a T-shirt of people who are engaged in nefarious activities. You don't want that confidence to be restored to, to players, to officials, administrators, to sponsors, and of course to people who are more than sponsors. These are FIFA partners. You know the big, the big league. And uh, as quickly as possible, you got to restore uh, the damage done to to, to 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 the brand. It's not impossible, because I mean you have countries whose whose own Brand, the brand of countries there, yeah, United States, get damaged by Vietnam. The whole world is protesting against. But once you have chosen a new leadership that is very clear on what happens in Vietnam, then people, well, America, Coca-Cola again, you know, Hollywood, here we come, jazz. It's America. People want to know and they want to trust that mm -hmm. the new leadership will bring a change. And that, that you know, the old slate is cleaned as quickly as possible. Obviously, it's not going to be that easy. There's got to be a, a clear understanding that the systems have got to be right, right. the checks and balances. Uh, transparency, transparency, transparency in decision-making processes must be very clear. The associations have got the final voice here. and uh, But most importantly, to stem out corruption, you got to have transparency in financial management, financial accounting, management and systems control. And, and, and it affects areas of, of, of licensing, uh, of television, marketing rights, uh, things which were being done not at the FIFA headquarters, away from FIFA. Mm -hmm. People do wrong. As Mr. Blatt was saying, they also hide it when they do wrong. And and so we woke up to find that the FBI is on it. So <laughs> much as we may not like, 
the involvement, or can I say interference, mm -hmm. of some of the external uh, uh, organizations such as investigative authorities uh, of other countries. Much as we may not want that, uh, we should also interrogate ourselves. How did we end up here? Mm -hmm. You know, because for 111 years, people are saying, run your own affairs. So we have brought this upon ourselves. FIFA should take ownership of the fact that today, the police are all over inside the house. Uh, Loretta Lynch is all over everywhere. Right. You know, uh, she's lynching uh, FIFA. Uh, who, 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 but who, 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 who opened the door? Who let, who let the dogs in? Uh, we did that. We shot ourselves in the foot. Because people trusted you for 111 years that you are running your house and it's in order. But once they saw the stage coming from under the door, they broke the door and they're in. So, so one of the areas where we have to restore uh, trust and confidence will be governments, uh, law enforcement agencies, so that they can pack their bags, leave a house, trust us to say, this time we'll do our work well. Again, I come back to you put yourself into that situation. People, these law enforcement agencies, Loretta and others, I believe I want her out of this house. But I know they're going to park outside here at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Because they don't trust us anymore. We're going to win the trust of these uh, 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 people. Uh, because what they are doing is right. In any case, they discovered it and we couldn't. So mm -hmm. you can't hate them. You can't, we can't, we feel bad about what they have discovered. Uh, but we feel good that they've helped us, you know, discover the wrong. Um, so that's, that's how it should be. And, and, and of course, the damage cannot be uh, uh, repaired by one person, by one president. It will take a properly, a democratically elected leadership executive with his collective wisdom uh, to, to sort this mess out. There's no one person who can do like Anybody candidates say, I can do that. No, that's not how it's going to happen. You got to, to, but however, the president must know us because at the end of the day, you take the fall. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to Sports Illustrated today. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks uh, to Tokyo Sehwale for uh, for sitting down uh, with us for this grant. Uh, I'm I'm curious on on just your your impressions of of getting to to talk with him face to face and and just what you thought about what he had to say. Well, you know, he's uh, he's an impressive guy. He's a guy who's made a ton of money in the mining industry uh, after uh, being imprisoned on Robben Island for years with Nelson Mandela. So, I, you know, obviously that's different than a business success. I mean, the guy, um, he's a big personality, um, uh, a little caught off guard by uh, his comments on Loretta Lynch. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, we'll see if... Uh, if he has a chance, I mean, you look at uh, just the way the numbers game is going to work in the FIFA election, and yeah, the the Asian candidate, uh, if he gets all of Asia, which you think he would, uh, Sheikh Salman from Bahrain, uh, is going to have a lot of power uh, with that. Uh, and if he's working with the UEFA candidate, uh, which is likely to be Johnny Infantino, um, that's a lot of votes in, in that they may broker. And I think it's going to be tough for someone outside of the, that twosome to break through. Um, 
But we'll see how things go over the next few months. There's still quite a bit of time. A lot can change in this election. A lot of people can fall out for <laughs> integrity reasons. We, who knows? Who knows? Uh, speaking of FIFA and integrity and reform, uh, you were able to speak with the head of the FIFA Reform Committee, Francois Carrard, who's done a lot uh, to, to help clean up the IOC. And now his task is to do the same at FIFA. So we're here today on the Sports Illustrated podcast with Francois Carrard, who's the head of the FIFA Reform Committee. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So I'd like, if possible, for you to explain to me what it is your main job heading the FIFA Reform Committee. What is that to do? The main job is to chair a committee which is preparing a package of uh, reforms, essentially amendments to the statutes and regulations, uh, to be submitted for final vote to the FIFA Congress on uh, February 26, 2016. Now, your background, I've, I've read up on, is a lot to do with the International Olympic Committee and what they did to, to sort of clean up their situation post-Salt Lake City. In what ways is what you did with that similar to what you're doing now? Some aspects are uh, similar in the sense that suddenly you are hit by a major crisis, which really was evidenced in Zurich uh, with the arrest of uh, FIFA leaders. And uh, we had uh, a very, when I say we, the IOC had a very severe crisis in 1998 uh, concerning the uh, uh, Salt Lake City Games. And uh, this, in both situations, caused major uproars. The IOC's case, it was the Olympic Games in the United States affected by, I would say, gross misconduct and allegations of corruptions. And the parallel you can draw is that you have a major crisis for a worldwide organization which is not, uh, I would say, like a scandal in a big corporate group because the structures of uh, international sports organizations is very different with, with its, uh, their own specificities, which sometimes make, I would say, the problems uh, sharper and more difficult to solve. You're facing crisis with the media, with the public opinion, with the governments, with the justice, with the parliaments, with the fans, with all sports fans, and you got to find a solution and resolve that as quickly as possible. And you are running against time. So one question that some people have when they see what's been going on at FIFA is, is it even possible to change FIFA without blowing it up, without completely starting over? Is it possible? I think so. I understand the question. Let me put it another way. If you blow up FIFA, uh, what's next? I mean, you have to reconstruct something which has had many positive aspects. I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, we see the dark side of the FIFA's problems now because we have to reform it. But one cannot forget that for uh, scores of years, FIFA has also done excellent work in development football in some areas of the world, etc., and uh, you have a few individuals who have absolutely 
misconducted themselves, but you have thousands, not to say maybe hundreds of thousands of excellent uh, people in clubs, coaches, and uh, so uh, if you blow it up, you know, to reconstruct, I mean, it's to me it's a theoretical question, because if you blow it up to reconstruct something else, I think it's a, it would be a disaster. And the game of football, as we all know, is the most uh, universal uh, sport in the world. And I think FIFA can be reformed and uh, should, and that's what I'm trying to contribute to. There was another man, Domenico Scala, who has put forth his recommendations, but he's not the head of the FIFA Reform Committee. What What is his role? How much are you listening to him at all? Oh, yes. We've been working together, and I think mm-hmm. uh, many of his reforms are, I would say he's developed an excellent package of reforms, but he's somehow nearly considered, rightly or wrongly, this is not for me to judge us, some sort of an insider because he's already in the system as chairman of the uh, Audit and Compliance Committee. And I guess the executive committee wanted to call on someone totally outside. I've never been involved in any activities concerning FIFA. I've been involved in many other sports uh, activities. So I think uh, uh, his reforms are excellent. We have been working together. Uh, but he is already an insider. He has functions and titles, and they wanted someone totally independent. And uh, that's what I am. As a matter of fact, I, I started by saying I will not hold my meetings in Zurich at the FIFA headquarters because I like to go where I want. And I went to Bern, which is considered by most as a very dull city because it's a Swiss capital. And uh, my colleagues have never been, most of them, to Bern. They looked at me strangely. Uh, Well, it was a bit of a uh, sort of a humoristic kind of approach. (laughs) But uh, I think the the executive committee wanted someone totally outsider, but having a legal background, which I have, uh, having an experience of uh, international sports, which I have, I've been serving... I regret to say, under four presidents of the IOC, uh, Lord Kiladid, Samaran, Schrog, and now Thomas Bach, and uh, they felt I could help, and I accepted. I didn't need that uh, mission. Uh, it's a temporary uh, mission. But I think football deserves uh, the best efforts to uh, reform itself, and that's in that sense that I accepted. But there is absolutely no conflict, I would say, with the reforms presented by Dominica Scala. Actually, most of the reforms, you know, it's just intelligent uh, reasoning and reasonable ideas, and it's not rocket science. You just have to push them through and enforce them. The specific reform suggestions that we're seeing involve term limits for the FIFA president and suggestions for the the executive committee and committee members as well. Yep. Uh, An age limit uh, is also one of them. uh, be coming forward with uh, being public about compensation uh, yep. financially for people uh, involved with FIFA, uh, deeper background checks. Yep. Uh, what are we going to see actually adopted? Well, that's exactly the line of reform we are working on. I have to be very specific. At this stage, for me, it's work in progress. My committee hasn't finished. We published a status report, which was which I insisted on publishing because I want to be totally transparent. Now, if you take the various uh, items which you mentioned, 
the uh, term limits, we are absolutely already there, I think, in final agreement within the committee. I dare say subject to their decision because I'm just one of them, after all. But we have, uh, I think, reached a consensus that the maximum should be 12 years. Why 12? It takes a few years, and that's where my international experience also. If you want to uh, be a good leader in a worldwide organization, 209 countries with so many diversity, cultures, religions, languages, political systems, it takes time. It takes three, four years to become comfortable worldwide. Then you can produce real good work. And if you're very good, you, you might deserve a few extra years. Where we haven't yet made a final decision, should it be three times four, eight plus four, or six plus six, for instance? Why? Because the issue is there. We don't want a leader to be involved in campaigning for his re-election because there are the temptations. We know what it means. Mm -hmm. I mean, the... So that's one thing. Age limits, uh, for us, it's still work in progress. We have agreed that once you are 70, you must, you, 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 it's the last time you can apply for a job, which means you're out 74. We haven't yet finalized the discussions as to where, why, whether we should have, uh, this, I mean, the level of term limits is a more subtle issue, whether you're in confederations, member associations, or clubs, or so. Why? Because in some parts of the world, you could have a very young leader, first class, 25 years old, and uh, uh, after 12 years or so, he might still be needed and used because you don't have a replacement in some countries. There is a lack of talent. Some others, you have too much talent. So we're still discussing this. Uh, Publication of financial compensation, we are absolutely for it, and that will be our recommendation. We have agreed on that already. There was a story in Reuters this week saying that the term limits would only apply to the FIFA president and not to the FIFA executive committee members or the National Association presidents. Is that yeah, true? I, uh, this is not the decision of the committee. I think this is the opinion of one excellent member of the committee. I mean, we are still discussing uh, between us on these issues uh, for the reasons I told you. But the final decision uh, on the recommendation will come before uh, early December by our committee. Okay. Specifically for the National Association presidents, is that even possible, term limits, coming from FIFA Reform Committee? Well, FIFA can indirectly enforce. Say, if you want to be a member, you have to comply with our rules. Mm -hmm. So that way you can. But you have to be very careful because exactly what I said, in some countries, if you have an excellent young president... 12 years, uh, I was myself president of the Automobile Club of Switzerland part, when I was 30 years old, yeah. and I left when I was 40. Fortunately, the country where I had enough talent behind myself to, to, you know, to have a good substitute, some countries you, you, you may not necessarily easily find a person willing to, to dedicate that, that time. Or, so that's the kind of issues which we still have to discuss. All right. Well, Francois Carrard, thank you so much for speaking to Sports Illustrated. Thanks. The NFL regular season is halfway gone, and in the old days, your chance to play fantasy football was long gone too. Now, not only can you join thousands of leagues on FanDuel, they cost as little as $1 to enter, and you can cash out in the very same night that you win. 
Now, when you use our code PLANET at FanDuel.com, you can get a bonus match of up to $200. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football, with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. If you're watching the games anyway, try out FanDuel. It turns your NFL Sunday into a whole new experience. So, go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code PLANET and sign up now. And here's that special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to $200 that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET today, so don't get left out. FanDuel also offers daily fantasy basketball and hockey. Let's find out why daily fantasy sports have gotten so popular and do it on FanDuel.com with our code PLANET. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. Our friends at the Panoply Network have a brand new show, Edge of Sports with Dave Zirin, where sports and politics collide. On the premiere episode, Dave has public enemy frontman Chuck D, who speaks on Muhammad Ali, LeBron James, and his Pilates workout routine. Search for Edge of Sports on iTunes and Stitcher or visit panoply.fm to find the show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Grant, I want to wrap up with you about uh, some some things that happened in the Champions League this week. We saw Chicharito score again for Bayer Leverkusen. He keeps scoring. Five games in a row in all competitions. Uh, safe to say that move has worked out for him. Uh, and Fabian Johnson scored. Fabian Johnson, the uh, he of the Jurgen Klinsmann doghouse, uh, getting on the board. The first American to score in the Champions League in uh, in almost two years. Sacha Kleschen being the last. Um other things going on, Chelsea getting a big win, Real Madrid and Man City going through. But first, I want to go with, with Fabian. And does does this change anything? Obviously, he, he's, his play at the club level was never really an issue. He certainly looked healthy scoring against Juventus. He did. He did. It did not look like he wanted to come off early uh, in in the event that he might be injured. Um, but no, all, all things uh, being you know serious now, that, that was a, a very good goal, a big goal. They ended up tying that game, which Gladbach did with, with Juventus. Um, just his, his, his men's national team place uh, is is he going to be part of this this world cup qualifiers well we'll find out for sure officially on sunday when the u.s soccer federation releases the roster for these qualifiers um you would think that a player who scores goals in champions league against juventus would be involved with the u.s setup uh so you know there's clear questions has johnson spoken to klinsman um if klinsman wants to call him in would johnson accept the call up um the U.S. really can't afford to not have its best team uh, for games that matter, I think. Uh, and so uh, for that reason, you would think that Johnson would be involved uh, with these games coming up. Um, but you never know. Klinsman called him out pretty strongly uh, and you know, did throw him under the bus, sent him home uh, early. Uh, and so... Uh, curious to see what's transpired since then. I'm sure we'll find out more in the next couple of days. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, elsewhere in Champions League, Chelsea getting a huge win uh, over Dynamo Kiev. Uh, William with his his free kick, like a like a Clint Dempsey free kick, right? Uh, for a two one win. Um, but no, he, and he's been doing it all year. He's been he's been maybe the most consistent bright spot Chelsea has had. Their only yeah bright spot right? uh, this season. Um, and it was it was pretty crazy scenes at Stamford Bridge. You get the fans chanting for Mourinho. I mean. 
he hasn't lost them. That's that's clear. Um, and you've reported that that the majority of the locker room is is still in his favor. They're not looking to make a move necessarily right now. Top and, management certainly believes that to be the case, that they don't think that Mourinho has lost the majority of the locker room. They think he can still turn this team around, get it out of its funk. Uh, I was also told by uh, a high-ranking Chelsea source that um, you, know, you look at the two things that would keep them from maybe firing Mourinho, huge payout uh, on his contract, and also not a great you know, ready replacement. Uh, if you're going to fire somebody, you got to have upgrade. And um, you know, right now, there's just nobody out there uh, in midseason that uh, looks set to fit that bill, uh, fill that bill. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the other thing that was was said was uh, Mr. Abramovich wants to keep Jose. Uh, Mr. Abramovich also has a way of changing his mind at times. <laughs> what Roman wants, Roman gets. Uh, Jason Christ is available. Go, go get him. Chelsea, sign him up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, three teams are, are already through: Real Madrid, Manchester City, and and Zenit. Um, Zenit maybe the most impressive qualifying campaign uh, or group campaign uh, of them all, although their group not the most difficult thing. Man City, uh, it's good. This is this is good for them. They need this. This is a tough group that they're in, um, and and they've come a lot of under a lot of pressure uh, for not performing in Europe, and now doing it without Sergio Aguero, without David Silva, without some of their their key players. This is this is impressive. Yeah, waiting at Sevilla too, uh, and you can see just like looking at the Twitter feed of Vincent Company how big this was. This was a big moment for that club, and uh, they've had their ups and downs in in Champions League, and that doesn't mean that they won't continue to have them in the knockout rounds. But at least they're going to get there. And uh, so I, you, know, you look at there have certainly been some blips on their schedule this year where you're like, yeah, Man City may not be that good, but. Overall, at this point, I still think they're the favorite to win the Premier League, uh, and and now they've advanced in Champions League. So uh, Manuel Pellegrini, you know, all things considered, pretty good job. Yeah, and and their new signings, uh, Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, they're they're performing, and uh, and they needed that to happen. Uh, Real Madrid shut out PSG twice back to back. They haven't conceded a goal in the Champions League group stage. Um, you know they they might not be winning by the the sexy score lines. Cristiano Ronaldo might be not might not be doing what he usually does and and scoring multiple goals, but but they're getting it done. Yeah, it's, they're dealing with a lot of injuries too. Yeah. So uh, you know, for for Rafa Benitez to uh, have them in this position, that's okay. You know they're leading the league domestically as well as we get closer to uh, the first Real Madrid Barcelona game of the year. Um, so. Uh, you know, Rafa Benitez is maybe not the sexiest manager in, in world soccer, uh, in football terms, soccer terms. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so far, so good kind of there. And, and I think they'd rather be in a position where they, they can, you know, go up with what they've built uh, and, and really challenge as we get into the latter parts of the season. We just dropped sexy twice talking about Real Madrid. I think we might, <laughs> we might need to wind it down very soon. Uh, it's uh, who, who would have thought they're able to, to keep goals out without David De Gea? Keller Navas doing, doing quite well in goal. <laughs> He's representing, fantastic. He really is uh, representing CONCACAF uh, very nicely at Real Madrid. Um, let's let's close with, with Bayern Arsenal. Bayern Munich coming back from a, a 2 Two nothing lost to Arsenal and, and just absolutely putting them to the sword um, back in in Munich and now Arsenal's quest is is on the thinnest ice possible. I mean they need to win out. They need some help. Uh, do you see it happening? 
I do actually, uh, and, and Arsenal will advance in second place again and go out in round of sixteen <laughs> again. It's the safest bet in sports, everybody. Uh, cool. Well, uh, on on that note, let's let's call it a day. Uh, I want to thank Brian Strauss for joining us earlier. Alex Abnos, our producer. Tokyo Sehwale and Francois Carrard, thank you for your time as well. For Grant Wall, I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you guys next week on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.